0: Hi, I'm Julie Lifcott hames the host of Getting In. I'm the former dean of freshmen at Stanford and the author of How to Raise an Adult. Getting In is a new podcast from Panoply, following a group of high school seniors through the college admission process. And right now is crunch time, especially for students applying early decision. You know, when you put it all together, it's a lot. I don't really sleep. I drink a lot of black coffee, but you know, I'm, I'm stressed, but I'm, I could be worse, I could be bored. That's what you'll hear on the new episode of Getting In from Panoply. Available on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app. Hi, I'm Sarah Humphrey, the executive editor of Real Simple, a busy stepmother of two, And an amateur cook who loves to cook and loves to eat, but has lots of questions.
1: And I'm Sarah Karnasevich, the food editor of RealSimple.com, a professional cook and working mom who tries to give you all the answers. Welcome to Things Cooks Know, the
0: weekly podcast where the professional cook, that's Sarah Kay, shares insider advice and secrets that the amateur cook, me, can use in her own kitchen with her own family. Today, you know, it's gotten a little cold out, and we've been holding out on this for a while, but we really have to do it now. We're talking about Chili. So chili, you know, synonymous with late fall nights, skiing,
1: football, and I would say happiness. It makes a lot of people happy. It also makes a lot of people argue. Chili is another one of those divisive dishes that seems to incite really strong opinions in people. And everyone thinks their way of making chili is the best. That's completely true. So it's kind of hard to define what chili is. I know that's something that you wanted to talk about. What makes chili a chili? Right. And I guess my answer to you on that is it's a different thing depending on where you live, what you grew up eating. You ask five people, they're going to give you five different answers. Mm -hmm. What was the chili you grew up eating like?
0: I I actually grew up just eating my mother's chili, which, you know, as you can imagine, wasn't like anything (laughs) really interesting. And she always put in, like – I just remember this. She always put in canned tomatoes, but the tomatoes were really, like – she hadn't broken them up enough, and Mm -hmm. I didn't like that. I actually didn't really love chili growing up because I didn't like hers. And then we Uh found this, like, chili (laughs) call. I think it was, like – it wasn't totally – it wasn't out of a can. It wasn't that bad, but it was something – it was, like, a chili mix that you would Mm -hmm. make that I loved a lot more.
1: I have a couple friends, like, one friend who just wants Texas-style chili. And so what that means is – that's like really heavy on the beef, never contains beans, and they're, it's chunks of meat. So really you want like marbled, really well marbled like chuck meat. You don't That's, buy ground beef. Yeah. For a real Texas chili, it's got to be like cubes of meat, chunks of meat, and it's just sort of stewed in this deep red chili sauce. I used to live in New Mexico. If you talk about chili in New Mexico, you get a totally different thing. New Mexican like green chilies is more like a stew. So that's with roasted New Mexican long green chilies. You mostly hear about like hatch chilies, it mm-hmm. could be that kind of thing. And that'll be studded with chunks of pork, maybe some really small diced potatoes. But that's what you get when you ask for green chili in New Mexico. If you're in the Midwest, you can get like Cincinnati style chili, which is totally different. That's ground beef that's cooked in this very fragrant, almost like Eastern spiced blend with cinnamon and cumin and allspice. And they serve it over spaghetti with chopped onions and cheese on top, or you can have it on hot dogs. And it's just completely different. And then if you think of something, like I said, you know, sort of thinking more globally, like a goulash is really like a chili. And in fact, I learned while I was doing some reading in prep for today something that I never knew before, which is that the Hungarian word goulash actually means cowboy, which like gives you that total connection between like the Texas chili cowboy culture and Hungarian goulash. So maybe it's really something,
0: the definition of chili could be something that's got like a density and a weight to it Mm -hmm. that could either be served on its own or over something. Yep. But it's interesting because there are, you know, so it doesn't mean it has to have beans. It doesn't mean it has to have even doesn't have to have meat.
1: Right. I mean, there are veget. I think a lot of purists would really bristle at that. But there are certainly these days so many great vegetarian directions that you can take chili into. And maybe we can we can talk a little bit about approaches to that later, because I think one of the things that I think of as defining a chili is that kind of depth of savory flavor that you do so depend traditionally on meat for, and that blend of spices. So whether it's chili, ground chilies, and garlic, or an oregano, or cumin, or if you have some cinnamon in there, but you're really creating a spice blend that you're then simmering, braising almost your your ingredients in until they break down and really get combined in the sauce.
0: And making your house smell so So good. good. Yeah. But in terms of ingredients, too, the the funny things about chilies a lot when you go for, you know, when you look up a recipe is they have sometimes very strange ingredients. In addition to your spices and all that kind of stuff, you may have, say, cocoa.
1: Yeah. So chocolate can be a great thing to add to chili. And that's kind of a nod to like the moles from Mexico. Mm -hmm. And they're you know, I think there's a pretty good chance that chilis as we think of them now may have started in in Mexico and there, there are records like a, from the conquistadors' journals going back to the 1500s about the Aztecs making lobster chili mm. and turkey chili, you know, wild turkey chili and stuff like. This. So we're talking about the 1500s. This was an established method of cooking, you know. In terms of chocolate, how you're using that in a chili, you're not going to be using Cadbury milk chocolate. You are really in this sort of context. You're looking for a really nice dark chocolate, a bitter chocolate and you're gonna use it sparingly. But that actually has this great kind of richness that it brings to, especially beef. It works best with beef, but it could do it with chicken too. And we actually have a recipe on the site for uh, a quick chicken mole kind of sauce that you can make with shredded rotisserie chicken and semi-sweet chocolate chips.
0: Oh my God. And That's, it sounds
1: crazy, The site being
0: com and chocolate chips and chilies. Is- So real simple. Yeah. Seriously. But you wouldn't,
1: I mean, it's not a, it's, the recipe is not for a straight up chili recipe, but you could use it in much of the same ways. Like you're just kind of making this sauce in the skillet and then tossing it with some already cooked meat. But it's the same idea of the way the flavors are are going together. And you could serve that over rice or you could put it in some tortillas and it tastes great.
0: So in addition to chocolate, I mean, you definitely, there's a lot of chili recipes with like a 12 ounce bottle of ale.
1: Yes. So beer is the same kind of thing. It has a little bit of acidity in it, and that's great to cut through some of that richer, fattier flavors that you get from the kind of cuts of meat that you often use in in a chili. And a kind of maltiness that is sometimes good, it's, again, kind of talks to the same notes of flavor that you might get from chocolate true confession my
0: go-to chili is actually a martha stewart re- recipe mm-hmm. and for those people who don't know martha stewart is a pretty direct competitor with real simple so sometimes we tend to not want speak to her name. speak her name <laughs> though i do love her anyway but you know i think that in in full disclosure for the listeners of this show it's good to let them know
1: where the we really think
0: yeah. yeah and um there's a just a turkey I think it's called, like, turkey and bean chili on mm-hmm. the com website that I just make all the time. But the funny thing is that the, the it calls for a couple it call, in, interesting ingredients. Bacon, to mm-hmm. start.
1: Yeah. Well, um, you're doing that because turkey, the turkey is not.
0: is lame. Yeah. yeah. So bacon, to start. You need fat then some cocoa powder, but also some molasses. Mm -hmm. And I've definitely had times where I have totally forgone the cocoa and molasses because I don't have them in my my house, and you really notice a difference. In terms of like the depth and the complexity and the layers, it feels very surface, and it just feels like kind of a bunch of spices and not nearly as, as good. I've done tests. Well, I
1: approve of the bacon.
0: So we were talking about it on our way here to the studio today about making chili. I'm going to make it this weekend. And in fact, the lovely Henry Malofsky, who's here with us in the studio, is also making it this weekend. So one of the charms of chili is making it on the weekend and and taking a long time to make it, like Mm -hmm. simmering on the stove, making your house smell good. But that implies and necessitates that you actually are at home right? and you're actually sitting there watching it go and not like leaving the house with the open flame on. So I do think that making chilies over a long time is great, but for those of us who have lives,
1: how do you do it? Practical. How do you do
0: it in a much quicker or more efficient way?
1: Okay, well, this is why when it comes to chili, the slow cooker is your BFF. Almost any chili recipe you can replicate or adapt to using the slow cooker, and I recommend that you do for that very reason. Because although there are plenty of quick chili recipes out there you're never going to get that same depth of flavor. And especially depending on the cuts of meat, you're working with that tenderness, that sort of melting quality that you want if you rush the process. That said, if you're use, if you going to use a slow cooker, I think you still have to kind of follow these general chili commandments, like the rules of thumb in terms of process that you would if you were making it on the stovetop. It's just that once you do the first couple, you can like leave the rest of the process to happen in the slow cooker.
0: Okay, so can we go over the rules, yeah. the commandments of
1: making chili? Absolutely. So number one, you want to brown your meat. You don't want to like throw raw meat <laughs> into your stew. And why dough. is that? So that's going to deepen the flavor that you're getting out of the meat. It's going to... Help the process of tenderization, but really, it's about it's the first thing that you're doing to build that layer of flavor. If you're start if you're making it on the stove top, uh, and even if you're just starting it that way, this is another dish that if you are thinking of like investing in a nice Dutch oven or something like that, like this is one of those things that's going to make it really worthwhile for mm-hmm. you. So if you're working in one with one of those. The first thing you're going to do is put your meat in the pan and brown you, it on all sides.
0: Can I uh, and interrupt to ask you a really dumb question? Mm-hmm. Like I get that if you're using like a side of meat and it's like a solid thing. Yeah. What if the recipe is for ground meat?
1: Do you Same still need thing. to brown it? You you're going to get, you're going to render some of the fat okay. out okay. of there. Because then what you're going to do is once you've browned your meat, you're going to take it out of the pan, put it aside, and then all the crunchy bits and the drippings and everything that's left in the pan, then you're gonna start cooking whatever other components you have in the chili in those. So if you have diced vegetables or whatever else, you're gonna start par cook them in that before you add everything back together. And you're also going to start your seasoning at that point. So that would be, I guess, you know, my third thing is like brown your meat, then use whatever's left over to start cooking the other components and season early and often. So you don't want to just like throw your seasonings in at the end. You want to season the vegetables, season the meat, and that way it's going to everything is going to kind of add on top of each other. Putting the seasoning
0: in 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 interstitials yeah. inter- it creates those layers. Yes.
1: And you can taste as you go to see also like if you want a little bit more. And then once you have everything prepped in those stages, then you can add everything back together into your Dutch oven and you can taste again, you can add your final bit of seasoning. And this is this is with the point at which you would put it in your slow cooker okay. if you were doing that. And then you want to cook it low and slow for a long time. And I mean, I, how long? I'm, it doesn't have to be two days. But if you want to cook it on low all day and come back to it at night, it's it's going to be good. Now, my, my husband went on a rant this weekend mm-hmm. that isn't entirely related to chili, but it came to mind this morning as I was thinking about this slow cooker thing because he, his rant was about the proper way to make an Italian meat sauce. Now, he's a Italian American from Staten Island so he, <laughs> he knows has an of, opinion. He knows of what she speaks and he was he was like reading some cookbook that I had gotten in and he was getting a little indignant because it was basically just like put everything in a pot and let it simmer and his insistence is that you must cook all the meat which, okay, this is what I'm saying, you're browning it all ahead of time, like on the first day, and then you're combining it with your tomato sauce and your herbs or whatever, and then you're simmering that on the stove for in like a minimum of 36 hours. He's like, that has to be on the stove for two days or it's not going to taste good. And, you know, we're talking about different dishes, but in a way there's some overlap between yeah, the absolutely. two. And I think... He's not wrong. So the long, you you give it time. It's also a thing, a chili is also a thing that often tastes better the day after you make it.
0: So you basically can't overcook a chili. No,
1: you really can't. Unless you're letting it get really dry, but that shouldn't happen in a slow cooker Mm -hmm. if it's covered. So like you put all the
0: prepped meat and veg In the slow cooker and you add in like the canned tomatoes and all the other things. And that's when you start turning it on. Exactly.
1: Another recipe that I think is pretty interesting and is not a straight ahead chili recipe in the way that I think most of us think of it, like ground beef and beans and stuff like that, but could be really great in a slow cooker too, is James Beard's, it's called Chili Pot Roast. And it's in Mm. his American cooking book, which way back when we did our favorite cookbooks. That was one of my sleeper hits. But I it remind I was reminded of it again recently because um, there's a new cookbook by Rob Walsh called The Chili Cookbook that I think is just out right about now. So if you're crazy about chili, you can look for it. It's definitely one worth having. And he he mentions this recipe in there. And And basically what you do is you just brown a chuck roast, like a pot roast, and then you simmer that in this red chili sauce until it's falling apart Mm. tender and you can either shred it or chop it and i think james beard suggests serving it with tortillas but uh rob says he likes it with mashed potatoes too and i think either sounds like it would be amazing leftover mashed potatoes from thanksgiving
0: Mm -hmm. i think layering chili over mashed potatoes could be one solution to my next question for you okay but i want other solutions too how do you make chili really kid-friendly? I mean, I think some kids like it, but I think some kids, you know, the whole idea of uh, I think the spices alone mm-hmm. will turn them off. So how do you make this a really family-friendly thing that you can make a huge vat and just eat off of it for days?
1: Well, I think in terms of the spice layering process, I mean, if if the kid's aversion to it has to do with heat, like spiciness, you can always divide the portions uh, before you add your final bit of seasoning. So if you want it, you know, kind of very deeply spiced or if you want to take it in a direction that might be a little more unconventional, you can ladle off, you know, a cupful or two into a smaller pot and kind of leave that as the neutral chili before you finish your larger portion of it. So that's just kind of like fundamental way during the cooking process. you can also, I was going to say, this is maybe doesn't seem like total real simple, but it is actually very simple. <laughs> I would recommend if if you have a family that's like crazy about chili or you really love it, to try making your own chili powder blend, which what? is really <laughs> easy. No, it's really easy. All you do is toast some dried chilies, which you can find in the supermarket, and you grind them up in a you know spice what? grinder because or a has coffee those. grinder. Yeah. Then you have to clean um, your coffee grinder. You just have to clean it. Yeah. And then you mix it with some cumin or oregano garlic powder. But I'm saying that because this is another way that you could customize the degree of heat or mildness truly to your tastes and also it's it's fresher that way tastes good and you don't have to depend on what you find in the store
0: I like the idea in my fantasy life
1: yeah so you know maybe you keep it there or you file it away for some day other things kids might like has more to do with what you're going to serve on the side than the chili itself (laughs) you know you could make some great cornbread one of my favorite things that you often get with your Chile and New Mexico are sopapillas, which are kind of like these sort of puffy dough. And they're not quite donuts; they're sort of football-shaped, puffed dough. Yeah, deliciousness. And but do you make those? Uh, you can make them. It's it's very easy. It's like flour and water and butter, and it's like fried dough. Yeah, yeah. But you serve those with honey. Ooh. And it's like heaven. Yeah. And your kids will be begging to have chili so that they can have soba pias on the side. And, you know, it also, maybe they really love cheese. And you can give them three kinds of cheese to choose from to put on top. All of those things are yummy. Right. And maybe you just create a basic recipe
0: that doesn't have a lot of spice. But then, you know, you can always use the, the adult trusty hot sauce. I yeah, mean, exactly. Basically, any kid meal, any dinner, if you have your Tabasco on the side, you, you are in, covered yeah. as an adult. Or you I, have I feel some like I, it's literally my, in my, like, holster.
1: Pickle the jalapenos or, like, maybe you really like onions and you could have some chopped raw onions on yours at the end. or something. The kids are not going to want those. But Okay. That makes me hopeful. So
0: can we just be a buzz—can I be a buzzkill for one second? I don't guess so. Um <laughs> So, you know, the World Health Organization just recently came out with this whole thing. Yeah. People are freaking out about. I was like, I read it was meat come on, really one more thing <laughs> to think about, you know that processed meat can per- perhaps increase your risk of cancer. To me that means <sighs> what bacon and what sausage, like two things that yeah. could go into chili. So and of course, there's they're lump, they're lumping red meat sort of in this mm-hmm. in this report and finding too. It's like a huge plus It's not good news for chili. It's really not good news. So if you're starting with a base that's that's more World Health Organization friendly, uh-huh. which would be, I'm guessing, like a turkey or a chicken, right? Mm-hmm. We we touched on this, but how are you going to make a chili that actually
1: Well, as you said, <laughs> bacon is one way. Right. But it, bacon's not an option here, I guess. So I would say if you're going the turkey or the chicken route and you're trying to you know, make a healthier version of chili that you just want to make sure that you're not using all white meat. So if you're using ground meat, I would say look for ground thighs. Oh, that's a good idea. As well as breasts. And if you don't see those in your store, but there are like boneless thighs, you can always h- ask them to grind them for you. Oh, they should be able to do that at your at your butcher counter. Okay. And the point being is that Chili is not supposed to be made with lean meats and fat is really essential to it. So you want to find the fat where you can. And fat is going to carry the flavor and it's going to help all those components of your chili kind of come together and it's going to give it that luscious texture that you really want in a chili. You don't want all the parts to be distinct like here's a little crumble of turkey and here's a bean and that's it's always like a little off-putting, mm-hmm. right? You so kind of
0: want to not to be able to identify things yeah, in your chili. exactly. Yeah,
1: So that's one easy thing I'd say to start with. And then if you are going to go with a lean meat, the other thing I think you should do is be extra heavy-handed with your seasoning. Because you're going to have to compensate for your loss of flavor from the fat and um, from the protein by really going hard on your on your spices and your seasonings and, and on the other things that you have in your chili. And, you know, maybe this is a place to talk about making an interesting vegetarian chili. And one way I think you can do that and get that kind of meaty texture at least is say you want to do a chili that's really bean heavy rather than meaty. I would say just focus on incorporating a variety of beans so that they really have different sizes and textures and you know qualities so creaminess or chewiness or things like that so maybe you want some really big meaty like Christmas lima beans I've never Um, heard of them. I think they might be an heirloom kind but you can see I found them can you get
0: them in a can Say okay. Can you get them in a can? <laughs> you might have Just to soak like, them, but they it. are available in the supermarket. Okay. So what's another like large? Okay, bean? butter
1: beans. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Like big butter beans. But I, if you're gonna like spend two days making this, what's soaking a couple beans uh, overnight? It's worth it. These are really good beans. But okay. Anyway, okay. We can fight this fight another time. We're always fighting a fight. Um, or you can have chickpeas. So you're, there's such a like huge variety in the family of beans. Even in the canned bean aisle that you can <laughs> choose from, that that's one way to take it. And then also if you're going in a leaner, healthier direction, that's a place where you can kind of splurge on your garnishes.
0: Okay, so you've, we've spent two days or two hours, depending on <laughs> who we are, making a huge vat of chili. I think, you, like, when you do it, go big. Like, don't make, like, three oh, servings. Oh, no, 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 So you've got this chili. You eat it for the first night. You want to bank
1: need... this stuff.
0: Right. You need to, like, freeze yeah. it and things, right? Yeah. So can we talk a little bit about extending the life of your chili and, and mixing it up in ways that's not always just eating a bowl of chili?
1: There are so many ways. I mean... There's the classic chili dogs. I would be really excited if like on a Tuesday night you got to have chili dogs for dinner. And obviously that will work better with certain kinds of chili than others. Like the big chunky Texas style chili, it's not really going to work. But if you're making a ground beef chili, that's a great way to reuse it. On the other hand, the Texas style chili or um, the New Mexican chili that is great in tortillas you know you could have a taco night you could have it for breakfast or lunch um, with eggs on top Ooh! you could toss it with some pasta and slice some eggplant and put some cheese on top and kind of have like parmesan bake
0: oh my god um
1: because then you're really bringing out that quality of like the meat saucy part of the chili and sort of a pasta bake and of course on a baked potato like you do a taco night taco bar night
0: one night baked potato bar night one night
1: i think that might get me through this winter
0: i know i'm thinking (laughs) i'm doing it this whole week okay that sounds awesome I'm inspired to make some chili this weekend. I think Henry looks like he is as well. But we wanted to end this this episode <laughs> by talking um, about our segment called the Safe Space mm-hmm. segment and inviting listeners to please tweet us safe space questions. No question is stupid enough to not ask it on Things yeah. Cooks Now. And so join me in asking the stupid questions that we want the answers to. So this one comes... Via Twitter from a listener named Becky Davis. Thank you, Becky, for sending this in. It's such a good question. You know, she says, Scallion. When recipes specify directions for white and dark green parts of the scallion, how should the light green be treated? It's like the perfect question.
1: Okay, so here's the scallion breakdown. Um, so every they're all edible, okay? So you don't have to worry about, like, you're going to screw up too badly if you use one or the other. When a recipe calls for one or the other, it usually has to do with how it's being used, what part of the recipe it's being used, because it has to do with a little bit about the flavor changes from one end of the scallion to another, and definitely the texture changes. Okay. So the green part, um, which is more of like the leaf end, I guess you would say, has a, a, a milder flavor and it's you know a finer texture it's not as hard Mm -hmm. and so that's usually the part that you're using as a finishing agent okay it's the garnish because when you sprinkle that on top of something well number one it's a lovely little bit of green and number two when you bite into it it's not going to be like this hard Mm -hmm. oniony crunch then if you move down the stalk of the scallion it's going to get harder and more of an aggressive onion flavor, sharper flavor. So the white parts and the light green parts take better to being cooked. So that's generally how you're going to use it.
0: And so the middle light green part Mm -hmm. could kind of
1: go either way. It could go either way. But you'd err on the side
0: of cooking it. I
1: think so, unless like in this case like a chili, if you want a little bit of scallion on top, those those, you know, light green parts will be totally fine because it's just like how you might chop up a red onion or something like that and eat it raw on top of a chili. Another
0: secret of at least magazine recipe development, Becky Davis, is that sometimes recipes call for the the green parts of scallions to be reserved and use later, you know, as a garnish to make the picture in the magazine look better. Very often. I mean, <laughs> yeah. anytime you see for garnish... Uh, a lot of that has to do, <laughs> definitely with flavor, but also for look. So you, yeah, I would actually give you license to It's a color cheat. Ignore it. Yeah. So anyway, thanks for answering that question, Sarah Kay. And thank you so much for joining us today for Things Cooks Know. We'd like to thank our producer, Tim Eidenkiel. If you enjoyed the episode, please subscribe on iTunes and feel free to leave us comments there, both good and bad. We'd love to read them. For a million more great cooking tips and tricks, you can head to realsimple.com. If you have topics you'd like us to cover next time or safe space questions you'd like us to answer, you can tweet them to us at Sarah P. Humphreys or at SQ Karn. We'll be back next week.